Bonjour, madame et monsieur. Bonjour à les personnes qui la question partout, le spectacle de Malios de football. That's right. Welcome to episode 94 of They Think It's All Over. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Adrian Football Chetalia, who's joining me today. Is Mike Hat Footy Shirts. Bonjour. Bonjour. It's Tom at Shirt Fan. Je m'appelle Scott at Flying Scotty. Uh, je suis McGee. It's this one, Kit. And how are we all today, gentlemen? Why do you think I've come with a, a French feel to the opening of the show today? Is it because you want to make sure a French club never have anything to do with us ever again? Why did your French sound like an Italian commentator? <laughs> <laughs> I, I pulled out all the stops there and did my best. I spent, as you'll find out later, I spent a bit of time with a with a French uh, French fancy a few days ago, and we recorded a feature. But I was helped, um, as you might might have guessed, uh, with a. I don't know, Tom, you're in the business. Was it helped with a translator or interpreter? I believe the factual terminology is an interpreter, as I was told recently. But fair enough. It's, that's the right way to say it. As you'll all find out later, a friend of the pod, Simon, that's at Simon Doing Life on X, joined me for the feature because he is fluent in French. And um, yeah, he is, his skills very much came in handy. Tom, you've got some language skills yourself, though. We were, uh, we're not going to let him get away with his little feature on Sky Sports, are we, chaps? Nope. Next time you speak to him, Tom, can you ask him why he keeps signing Spurs players and he's not going to win the fucking league now? See, I didn't actually speak to him. I just was given the clip and then the script and then told to read over the top of it. But what did make me laugh was, it obviously, it got put on Twitter and then the Sky Sports News account has like 12 million followers. And my friend, as any good friend would do, went through all of the comments and found the one that said something like, I started listening to this and thought it was a parody voiceover and liked it, (laughs) which put it immediately to the top of all of the comments. So everyone saw that slagging me off on the top comment, which obviously massively appreciated. That's what good friends are for. Our very own Thomas Tuchel, as you can hear now, live on Sky Sports. He is in Munich and we try to finalise the deal and find another alternative in the defensive position in our squad. But I'd like to wait before the ink has dried. You're right, he is in the city. From experience, we know things can go wrong in the final seconds. I think that he is more or less a specialist in the central defensive role. He's played as a holding midfielder in the past. He can play as part of a back four and three at the back, so we can free up Leon Goretzka in midfield, so he doesn't have to switch between playing as a number eight and being deeper. We're still focusing on other positions and we'll see if anything else happens. Okay, so sticking with the news, thank you, Tom. Let's move on to shirt news. Has anybody got anything for us this week? I have. I'll go first. So... Everybody's been talking about it. I want to know what everybody thinks. So Jordan Henderson um, ditching the big money and moving to play in the Eredivisie. Apparently, the 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 record sales for a shirt with with name set in in Ajax history. That's pretty crazy. What does everybody think about that? Do you a few fake story shouts about it? But I I'm just going to say before you guys go, I think it's true, and I'll explain why. But yeah, Tom, what do you think? See, I feel like you should explain why first, in case I 
say well, what you're so the the a the number isn't huge. So I've had a little look, and the only number I can find is around seventeen thousand shirts were sold with his name on. Whether that's true or not, I I I can't say for certain, but that's the number that kept coming up on the different stories. But the reason I think that this could well be true is anybody here now tell me who Ajax's biggest players were. Johan Cruyff. The the De Boers. Yeah, but that's after name sets, before name sets. Exactly. Bang. There we go. These players, Burkamp, uh, people were saying Van Basten. Fuck Jesus, people. When have you ever seen an Ajax shirt with Van Basten on the back? It didn't fucking happen. So this is the thing. And especially in recent memory, they haven't had many huge marquee signings. And I know we as English fans, Scott, who's desperate to say something as a United fan, will not think much of Jordan Henderson. Sometimes we we undervalue how the rest of the world see some of the English talent, the players that have slogged away in the Premier League for so long. And personally, I believe it and I and I can see how it happened as well. I actually have two points and they're both sensible, don't worry. The first one is you touched on it there is not only did do Ajax have all them big names that were potentially before name sets, but even if they did have name sets, they were all youth players, weren't they? They were all through the academy system and coming up. So it's not like somebody would have gone, oh, fucking hell, that 16-year-old Frank de Boer's brilliant. Let's all get his name set. It was only after the fact that he, you know, they grow up and then they, and Ajax are a selling club, aren't they? So they, as you said, Mike, they don't, they don't go out and get big marquee sign-ins. But the, my second point was to ask Adam, and again, you kind of touched on it. Is Jordan Henderson that loved by Liverpool fans? Because I think outside of Liverpool, it's not like, you know, I reckon there was a load of people with a closet Harry Kane fantasy. and But because he played for Spurs, they wouldn't get him on the back of a, a shirt. So as soon as he moved to Bayern, it was an excuse because he's the English captain and the all-time top goal scorer. But is Henderson in that bracket that, now that he's not playing for Liverpool, are there a bunch of potential English neutrals that would be like, right, I'm going to get a Henderson shirt? Or is he just seen as the Liverpool captain? And I mean, you wouldn't catch him on the back of a United shirt, for example. A fan, sorry. I mean, that's an interesting kind of point you've thrown forward. I, I would say with Henderson, it's difficult to compare him to Kane because obviously Kane is a natural-born goal scorer and they will always be popular I think with Liverpool fans, a lot of his good work was undone by his move to Saudi Arabia. And I think Liverpool being, obviously not everyone, but traditionally are a left-leaning club. And I think he said a lot of the right things for the LGBTQIA community and then went to Saudi Arabia and was quite quiet about it. So I think that affects it. I do also think that he's... he's just an unfashionable player and it's one of those players that you don't always see what he brings to it but there was something I I think it was Ben Foster actually was talking about on his podcast Um, I saw a clip of it online and he was saying when he played against Henderson he would not shut up he would not shut up throughout the game and he said I think it was a Watford game where they lost like either 3-0 or 5-0 he said and he said like people like Salah and Mane were looking to Henderson for guidance all the way throughout. So I think maybe with fans, he's not as beloved as he could be because of what happened with Saudi Arabia. But I also do think that as a player, he is underrated by a lot of people because they don't necessarily see what he brought to the team. 
in the same way that you obviously see what Harry Kane brings to the team. He comes on, he scores goals. Yeah, I think that is why he's been brought into Ajax as well, just from a transfer point of view, because if you look at that Ajax squad, I think we mentioned it a few weeks back when they were doing particularly badly. They're all kids, apart from Steven Berghuis and Bergwijn, the two former Premier League winners. They're, they're all kids. They're all like unknown names. So Henderson's been brought in to have a bit of leadership in the dressing room and on the pitch. But I think going back to the shirt thing, there's definitely truth in it that it's the the fastest selling player shirt because like Mike said, Dan Scott, there are mitigating factors. Like Ajax have always had up and coming players, not experienced players at the end of their career. And also we haven't mentioned these shirts, they're 40% off at the moment. That has to have helped the sales of these shirts because they're they're so cheap. That's definitely playing a part. And I, I honestly think it comes down to everything we've just said and just going back to the basics of it. English fans also just love an Englishman abroad. And I, I it, through the years, it's always been a bit of a thing, hasn't it? I know that Henderson being a Liverpool fan means certain clubs might be frozen out by that. I'm a Villa fan. If I was going to go and buy an Ajax shirt now, there's a there's a good chance I'd get Henderson on the back because I like an Englishman abroad. So I think that's just, that's what it is, isn't it? Is there's all of the factors that we've just spoken about contribute to it. Well, if you're going to get an Ajax shirt and you want an Englishman, Chiba Akpom is the way to go. But um I think that draws a line under Henderson Hughes. Fucking hell, go on then. I just thought it was a nice little add-on because I I personally love it when footballers show themselves up as football fans. And Henderson actually did this. Did you see his quotes about picking his squad number? So he's got the number six, but it wasn't his first choice. So he looked at the squad list with his friend, he said, and he noticed that the number 14 was free and available. And then he calls a quick Google. He suddenly realised, oh, that's Cruyff's old number and it's retired. So his actual first choice was the 14, which he wore at Liverpool. But obviously he couldn't have it. But I just quite liked that he seemed to talk quite a lot about former Ajax players and people like Seydorf, Clivert when he was growing up. And I quite liked that that touch from a, a, a pro, I think. And some people say that he made a, a Cruyff turn on some of the social issues as well. So maybe he would have been a, a good choice for that shirt. But never mind. Uh, what else have we got in the news? Um, I don't know if it will take as long to talk about this one as the Ajax one. That was a good conversation. I enjoyed that. But Mainz 05 of the Bundesliga have released their Carnival shirt. So they've been doing this since the 2015-16 season. It was first with Lotto, then with Kappa, and now it's their first one with Jayco. And... It's a really cool shirt. So normally every year they have their standard white shirt and then the colours blue, yellow and red are somewhere on the kit and they're always quite outlandish. They're always out there. There's been like check ones. There's been ones with the stripes on the sleeve. There's been hoops and kind of triangular things. And this season they've gone back to hoops. It's a really, really nice shirt. I'm a big fan of it so much so I've actually ordered it. Uh, hasn't arrived yet because it was only released to the general public on the 19th of January. So I'm looking forward to it arriving from Germany. Don't know what you guys think of it, but I just want to touch on the fact that Germany love a celebratory shirt, don't they? They really do. And I really wish the Premier League would do it more often. I was just having a think of this before uh, we came on. You obviously got like the Bayern Oktoberfest, 1860 have done some Oktoberfest shirts. You've got a few Stuttgart Diversity shirts, of which I own a couple of those. Werder Bremen doing their Christmas shirts. Dortmund doing blackout shirts. And Cologne also do carnival shirts. 
Why don't we do them in the Premier League? That's my question. I know. We, we could have had like a Brexit shirt. Exactly. Yeah. It would have been all, leave or, means leave. Yeah. Or like, um, like Pancake Day. Cost of living shirt. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Credit crunch shirt. That would have been a good one. St. George's Day shirts. It's kind of like a Brexit one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's all it's, the same on the credit. It's, it's, all, it's, like it. it's all the same. It's all the same. It'd be fucking shit as well. But it's not that like Premier League clubs haven't had like special shirts, obviously, but it's not a regular thing. And I don't yeah. know if it's just because we're not as keen on having like fourth shirts or things like that, or if it's just kind of baked into like German culture to have them because it's been a long time. I mean, yeah, like I said, with, with Mainz, it's been since 2015. It's been a, quite a while. Yeah, it's, do you know what? It's not unusual for German clubs just to have lots of different shirts in a season anyway. So anyone out there who collects any sort of German shirt will know that. Me as a buying collector, if you go back to certain seasons in the 80s and early 90s, they'd have had three, two, three, sometimes even four different home shirts they would have worn in a season just because they, they used to just change the template they were using quite regularly. But I do wish they did it in a Premier League more often. The reason for that is because at the minute as well, um, Villa are basically about to have their 150th anniversary and next season will be our 150th season as a Premier League club. Uh, sorry, as a football uh, club. And it, we're in the Premier League for that. I would love to have seen a special shirt. Now, that might happen. Thank fuck it's not going to be Castore that do it if it does happen. So I'm glad that that's gone when it did. So if it does, it will be Adidas. And there are rumours that there could possibly be fourth shirts coming. Clang. Every time you mention Adidas and Villa from now on, we're just going to clang the pod. <laughs> you know, you're going to be doing it a lot. Um, yeah, I've I've seen rumours that four shirts could be coming in a bit more commonly next season. Um, we, we've spoken about this on the pod. It's a whole different subject. Personally, I don't have an issue with it because I have that attitude of you don't fucking have to buy every shirt if you don't want to. Um, I like it. I hope Villa get a special shirt for our 150th season. So, yeah, I'm with you. But back to the point, the mine's one. Really, really cool. It's one of the best they've had. I'm just trying to remember. I might be wrong on this, but has a German club... I, I know you said about Bayern like, changing their shirts. I'm sure I remember a club having... Because they have their big winter break, having a different shirt for the second half of the season. Is that right? Wasn't there a German club... Everybody took the piss out of Napoli, but wasn't there a German club that actually set the record for most shirts in a season? Wasn't it like... Wasn't it mine? Some... I, had like 13 different home shirts or something in the season. I know that, for example, I got a Werder Bremen shirt that had a specific sponsor for just the sec- for, for just one half of the season. It was a, a charity sponsor, um, a children's sponsor, and I think it was VW gave up the sponsorship for 50% of the season. I, I could be completely wrong. There's nothing in my memory immediately where they had literally a different home shirt for two halves. But I mean, I mean look at, for example, um, well... It's actually a good example in German clubs, again, because quite a lot of the time they have a home shirt for the league and a home shirt for Europe. Bayern did it for years with with different European shirts. Their third shirt now is still always referred to most of the time by the fans as the European shirt. Um, And then Dortmund do the same. They have their cup shirts as well. So, yeah, it's just I think it's just a bit more ingrained into the German culture, really, isn't it? Having more, more than... So definitely at least three, most of the time, four or five shirts. I'm just looking it up and I'm sure that Dortmund had a winter shirt. I, I, hopefully someone who listens to the pod can let us know if that's true or not. But I'm sure that Dortmund changed their home shirt mid-season and had a like 
yeah, one during the like after the the winter break. But I might be wrong on that. But yeah, it's an interesting one. I think it, it does go back to that wider conversation about whether it's good to have so many shirts and the pressures that's put on parents for buying all the shirts. Personally, I would just say you can have one shirt a season. Like you don't have to have every shirt. But I don't know. It's it's a a longer conversation. I think maybe one for another day. But yeah, lovely shirt. We look forward to you sharing it off when it arrives, Adam. Very nice. Should we have one final piece of news, Tom? I think you spotted something for us this week as well. Yeah, so I'm sure it caught a lot of people's eyes. But uh, Sampdoria, and continuing on with that Macron love from last week with Sampdoria, because they uh, they wore special name sets on the back of their home shirts in a match against Parma last week. And these were to commemorate the life of Gianluca Vialli, of course, famously Sampdoria player. He won Serie A with them in the early 90s. And... It's a really, really nice name set. I mean, there's a lot of sentiment behind it, obviously, which makes it a great addition to the shirt. But also, it looks fantastic. The names and the numbers are made up completely of iconic photos of Viali and his time at the club. And all of the shirts are going to be auctioned off on Charity Stars as well. And that's to raise money for the Viali and Mauro Foundation for research and sport. So a really nice touch on a kit and a really nice reason behind it, too. Unfortunately, they did lose the game 3-0 to Palmer, but doesn't take away from the sentiment. It looks great. I love a fancy name, sir. Yeah, really smart. And let's see if anybody in the kick community snaps one of those up. It'd be nice to see it a bit more close up. Uh, right, should we move on to this week's feature then? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Wee oui, wee. Oui. This week, does anybody know who I sat down with? Was it FC Rock and Core? Absolutely, it was. One of the hippest French clubs around. That is Adam. Who was it? FC Rock and Core. Here is when I went and spoke to Who does speak to you, Scott? I can't believe you're struggling to do this in your first language. Simon did it all in his third. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we spoke to FC Rock and Core, one of the hippest French clubs or hippest clubs full stop in the world right now. So, sat next to me today is friend of the pod, Simon. Uh, that's at Simon Doing Live. Hello, Simon. How are you? Hello. I'm good, yeah. I'm doing very well. You're joining me for a very special reason today, aren't you? I am, yes. And that's because, not just because you're a shirt fan, but because of your bilingual... How, how, do, I, how do I say it properly? Your linguistic skills. We'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> We're really, really excited that today we are speaking to probably one of the coolest football clubs out there particularly from a shirt perspective you know if you don't know who they are you need to go and look up these guys now it's fc rockancourt i'll be corrected on my pronunciation in a minute i'm sure but go and check them out and from fc rockancourt today we're joined by axel bonjour axel <laughs> bonjour j'espère que tu vas bien tout le monde va bien yeah, thanks, thanks uh, for having me on. Thanks for the, you know, uh, hello to everyone. And just to say that the pronunciation of rock and core is, is spot on, particularly in like that English way. We're not good <laughs> like that, but the key is for everybody out there, there's no T on the end, right? No, not pronounced, not pronounced the T at the end. We're really pleased that you're able to join us today, Axel, because, as I say, there's been an awful lot of noise for a, a number of months now about the exciting project and work that that you guys are all doing and we just wanted to find out a little bit more about it so thanks for joining us yeah sans problème bah, merci pour l'invitation c'est very happy cool. to be here yeah and it's just especially because there's just so much so many links with with England and, and, and Normandy um it's yeah it's particularly it's particularly uh, exciting 
Excellent. And I, I think you touched on it there. So as a starting point, why don't you tell us all a little bit about the club, where it's based, uh, when it was formed? Give us a bit of bit more information. Alors, um, Geographically, the club is based in what is classed as Basse Normandie, so Lower Normandy, because we've got Haute Normandie and Basse Normandie, you have the two parts of it. Um, so it's it's a few kilometres away from Caen, which is the, the sort of main city um, in Normandy, or the largest city, I guess, in Normandy. Um, so the club was formed in 1971. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of stories within the the overall story of the club um so there was uh, an école de foot so it's like football like school um and you know certain different levels of teams so you had youth teams senior teams all those types of things and basically we're at the point now where you they had two teams so they have a veterans team which is for over 35s and they also have the class of the seniors team where you have a lot of former youngsters from the like the football school and things who will then have, have come back in order to play for the club the senior one not the veterans on the senior one is the one that's kind of the one that's up front and center with everything on est assez on est assez quelque part un peu indépendant entre les vétérans et les seniors yeah so even though the, you know they are quite separate in terms of the veterans team and and the seniors team and yes sometimes like some of the veterans will come and and play a little bit with the seniors but really like this all of this story at the moment and with everything that's happening is sort of based primarily around this seniors team where you've got all of these people through who've been previously here at the football school have then returned in or in order to play for the team. So it's very much a community project. And now you've got this this first team that's in the headlines or say being highlighted with the kits. What sort of league are they playing in in, in Normandy? Yeah, so uh, basically, again, I think it kind of functions quite similarly to the English system, really, especially at this level. So it is at this level, at the very least, it's very much based around geographical zones um, and like the departmental levels of the department here being like Normandy. Um, so you have the division there is the very bottom division uh, really so you're in the within this sort of regional very regional geographic level you've got the four divisions so four three two one and then within the after that you then have the regional which again is, you know as we're going a bit higher up there's three more divisions there r3 r2 and r1 and then after that is when you get into the semi-professional um so the national league so what we would class as like the conference level there that's the sort of that's the, the the national level and then obviously after that you've got league two um and league on but there's three things of, of national there so um yeah essentially as as this is relatively new the seniors team as you would expect as it is here in the uk is that the assumption is that you start right at the bottom of the of the the pyramid and that's where they find themselves at the moment so you know very much at that sort of what we would class as an amateur amateur level, but but with sites set on bigger things. <laughs> ouais, alors euh, effectivement. Yeah, so at least at the moment, it's very much a case of finding their feet, really, not just in terms of um, the sort of you know getting back into the playing level, but also just kind of the structure and the organisation of everything. The overall aim really is to play at the highest levels. Like that's that's always always the aim. Um, 
but obviously the terms of like sort of the longer term growth and how they will look to develop that is kind of taking the lessons from what was there before which is having you know with having that football school there is primarily looking to develop that in order to then help to to develop that those new generations of players that that will sort of grow the team and one example that that was given here was just that um that there is a player who currently is in the ranks of of, of Stad Malerb, who are in, in League Two, who, who was you know basically sort of formed at FC Rockancourt's uh, football school. So you know they already know even with what they've got as well in front of them in terms of the players they've got. There are players who are better than the league that they're currently in. Um, so it's kind of trying to find the place of all of those things and looking to see how they put in the the base to then have a what is it what is it like a long-term growth plan that is uh stable and, and sort of inter- you know internally focused question is then for a relatively relatively new club relatively at the moment low club in terms of the, the football pyramid how have you guys become one of the cult clubs of 2023 <laughs> 2024 whose vision was it and just Tell us how you've achieved this. So, yeah, so basically, like, there's a lot, there's obviously a lot to to, to say here, but I'll, I'll try to get all of the important information. Basically, um, one thing that I, I asked as part of the question was, like, I know that they've worked with uh, with two people in particular. One of them is the Doki Doki Agency, which is based in Normandy, and Teo Amel, who he is, uh, he's the photographer who also works with Stad Malib. So I asked a little bit about uh, about them as well, and this leads into the answer because uh, Doki Doki Agency is Axel's company, um, and basically he, you know, he rejoined Rock and Core in order to play. He still felt he had the legs in order to 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 to, to do something with that, and he wanted to. Because because everything sort of around the club is based around is based around people. So so there's a lot. There's, everything is sort of volunteer based. Like a lot of people have been you just give their time to this, and it's a very much a community thing. He wanted to find a way. Of what was the thing that he could add to this outside of him just playing the football? Um, that could help them even further. So obviously, um, this rebranding has a lot to do with what he has brought through or what he what the ideas that he brought to the forefront for this and basically um it started with you know with the logo rebranding the logo of the club really and that has led into everything else that's come since the idea with the sort of rebrand of the of the logo was to sort of connect a lot more with the community um to give a sort of like that base and that common grounds that people whether they're young or whether they're old in within the, the the area and the people who are involved in the club, everyone understands what that story is of the community and things. So in terms of that logo, just just for people that haven't seen it, it's uh, it's I, I'm not doing it no justice here. We all share the logo. Basically, you're looking at it's a red circle uh, badge pointed with two autumnal type leaves on each side. It got gold offset leaves. Uh, I've given um, you all the info on this now. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, with the FC Rock and Thought. Uh, across the top founded year and then I'm going to guess here and you're going to give me the info I don't know an, an apple farmer sat outside a, a oh, okay uh, yeah come on <laughs> so I yeah I, I basically in terms of the badge itself there's, there's two there's two sort of rich subjects that are attached to this so 
Um, it's around sort of mines and also around a strong Italian community that is it, which is in and around that area as well. There's a little story here about World War Two as well, which comes into this. Um, but it's quite interesting. You mentioned about the leaves. Um, so and this kind of leads into this idea about World War Two. So Rock and Core is is one of its things it's well known for is uh, during World War Two, one of the first successful missions of the Canadian army was it against the Germans. I was going to say Maple area. Leaf. I, I know when he, said, when he said that, when he said maple syrup, I was like, my head, I was like, it all switched on. So yeah, so those leaves are based, that's where they've added in that reference to, to the Canadians because we had a lot of the things that's involved in this because there's such a strong Italian community as well. And I think that's probably one reason, Adrian, why you probably like this so much is because they have made an, uh, an effort to try and add in a few more elements of that Italian um that Italian community as well. And that kind of makes a lot of sense with them working with Macron as well. Um, so, yeah. So again, we're going, going back to sort of the, the shirt and so on. So, yeah. So the, the badge was kind of the main thing, you know, because Axel's background is within communication with his, the marketing and this rebranding, the badge is kind of the starting points for everything else that came after. And at least the way he approaches the work, and as somebody who works in this area of stuff as well, like I get this, is like he wanted that story to be underneath everything and to feed into everything that they do. Um, so obviously we've talked a little bit about some of those little features, which, you know, if someone doesn't, if you're not from there or so on, these are like quite interesting little facts. So yeah, that that's a kind of really interesting aspect of it, but also so where to talk a little bit more about like how the re it's the reality of where the ideas then met up with what was feasible um so with everything that's kind of happened it was like well how do we link all of these ideas together like how do we link together the story um with this rebranding and with the shirt how do we link this all with the community how do we make this financially work how do we embed all of these things in consistently across what we do so in terms of like working with macron i obviously you know being italian and so on that also helps but a lot of the things that they do is around so you know they have that sort of vibe with sort of bit renaissance bit vintage and that so they've added as you'll we've all if anyone who has seen fc rock and court sort of photo shoots and things one aspect of the photo shoot they did is very linked to vintage um and that kind of that fashion side of things so the the female model who they did the shoot with and that was the, the reason for that was so that they could ensure that that was always kind of added in as like and it had scars didn't they yeah yeah and yeah 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 just you know really cool really stylish mm -hmm. um but you know and that the, the idea of doing that 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 was well, that second shoot of the two, I'll talk about the first one in a minute, is a very easy way for them to have been able to put the ideas forward that they want to without it necessarily being, you know, a big cost at the end of the day. And Teo um, was heavily involved in this shoot. But the first shoot that they did, uh, which is the one that everybody discovered first, the first one that they, you know, that everyone saw was um, in, well, it's a, it's a con le, le barge. Le, uh, oui, 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 c'est yeah so yeah so the the main photo shoot is this place called limiche which is um just like a and it's a cavern, oh. like a wine a wine bar and yeah as part of that like again it's it's kind of they wanted to use that shoot to kind of 
integrate combine that you know the french frenchy or french culture um with the sort of amateur football like you know when it comes to like going to the amateur football and having a pint and so on they want to kind of combine that with sort of the frenchness as well so in the shoot obviously there's you know there's there's wine there's saucy song it's all that kind of good stuff but i think that the at least i think it's to say a lot of people saw it the, the way i kind of saw it, it was the 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 man in the photo shoot who basically gets his top off in the middle he's the guy who owns that place and I think that that's certainly one of the images that stuck with everyone yeah um, but he's trying to they they wanted to use that shoot as well to sort of say well how do we make that work for the bar as well typically you know if someone sponsors a club at an amateur level they're not really going to get anything back from that money a lot of the time so. By being it by doing the sort of photo shooting involved in the minute, and then obviously with all of the press they've got since, that's a way in which they've been kind of indirectly able to 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 support them as well. So again, it's just all kind of linked together. Is how are they able to bring these different elements from the community, but also the sort of the culture and history and and you know the region that they're in, um, and put Very that good. you know as as far forward as they possibly can, put that front and center. That photo shoot, the one you mentioned in the bar, uh, the amount of wine just made that look like it, it was incredible fun and something I wish I was part of. Yeah, le, le shooting dans le bar avec tout le, tous les vins et tout ça, ça c'est c'est évidemment c'est c'est les, les gens sont jaloux qu'ils ne sont pas là pour pour fêter <laughs> avec vous. Ça, <laughs> je je crois que ça c'est la raison avec le, ce shooting ça ça c'est la raison que. Ouais. Uh, Ça, ça, ça c'est la raison que ça, ça marche aussi bien avec, avec les gens, ça, oui. euh, avec le, le sentiment du, de, du shooting dans, dans, dans le bar, ça. Ouais, il y a, il y a, il y a, sur cette partie, cette première partie du shooting chez, euh... So yeah, with the, with that fair shoes as well within the bar, like that, that was what they wanted was to kind of show. Show sort of some of those elements of amateur football and and and, and showing it to people in a way that just wanting that feeling that you're talking about there, Adrian. Like that was that was a key thing of just like of wanting to be involved with that and like you know showing and finding those little bits of beauty in subjects that I guess are not really that exciting and to add that sort of aesthetic elements. Um, because I mean, I guess you know, if we're looking at sort of English football and stuff, there, there, you know, when it comes to things like the the culture around football, sometimes I guess you can you can get that, can't you? It it comes across a little bit, can come across a little bit trashy or whatever it is, depending on what it is. So they wanted to make sure that they were able to to show those, you know, those interesting bits and and get that beauty out there for people to see. And that's you know, as we've seen, that's the reason why people <laughs> like it. Uh, so much because like this thing is with that first shoot as well like those that's the players that are involved in that shoot with the owner of the bar like this you know yeah, it's, so cool. that's just what they do you know like and uh, and uh, this is not what was said but like you know um there was some later videos that they've done since um like sort of teaser like little teaser clips um, and it shows the sort of players like ha you know having like a drink sort of in the, the clubhouse things and it's just those little elements of amateur football that community that's around it um and you know being able to combine that in such a sort of in the stylish way that they've done is probably one of the reasons it's gone you know as far as it has is that exact feeling you're describing it's certainly it's got to play a big part of it the other part listen it's those shirts 
So the away shirt has gone viral. We recently did a, a top shirts of 2023 and that away shirt actually got quite a few votes. It nearly made the top 20 in terms of the best shirts of 2023. <laughs> Tell us how this happened, you know, in terms of, I, I, I wondered how much input you as a club had versus Macron, given your background, Axel. Now I probably think I might know the answer here, but how how did it come together between Macron and yourselves to create such a, a wonderful kit and wonderful identity? En gros, euh, c'est c'est assez simple comment Macron fonctionne, c'est que ils ont. Yeah, so so to be honest, it's it's quite a simple process really when it comes to Macron. Well, reasonably simple because as it starts, you don't deal directly with Macron at the beginning. Um, so they have like regional sort of groups that they, you know, resellers, I guess is, is probably the best way to put it. Um, and essentially there was a veteran of the club who had, who had played for a club who had worked with, with Macron previously and they had, they had recommended to them. Um, and one of these sort of resellers was based, you know, in Normandy. So um, that sort of fit hand in glove, I guess. Um I guess when it came to the shirt itself, it was really a case of, I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier on, it's just what what was really sort of possible to make, like how, how could they push it as far as they possibly could and get the maximum amount out of it um, with the sort of, you know, the budget and the level that they're at at the moment. Um, so, you know, as as we know, sort of in the shirt thing, there's kind of two main solutions to it is, you know, you go into the catalogue, you pick a template and off we go. Um, or there is a, a much more expensive option, which essentially is kind of like, you know, it's just custom prints, sort of sublimated prints just on, on the shirt and so on. Um, so we talking, talked about how, like, getting the maximum out of things is quite interesting here because... Um, one of the things that was interesting about this shirt in particular is the, you know, white choice of white really is the base. It's not, you know, it's quite, it's not that common to be used in the, in this kind of sort of case, but there was like, yeah, this is the one that we really wanted. And um, that's the one that kind of that stuck out, but they were um, to get the sort of maximum out of things. Um, so yeah, when it came to the actual badge, rather than just, you know, do the whole sort of sublimated thing. Um, that was the, the the rest of the sort of bits was specific, specifically the the badge, which is you know a stitched badge that was made in Saint Malo, which is you know which is in Normandy as well. So they have basically they've got the shirt and every all of the additional bits, such as the badge and the name and number set at the back. That's something that it all comes in and then they sort of put put gets put together in that way so that's been that's one way in which they've did the ways in which they've been able to sort of maximize the amounts of what they've got out of it rather than going for sort of something which based on the the position that they're in would probably be mostly revolving around the template um but what was so sort of interesting you know after everything that happened they said the you know they didn't they don't work directly with Macron well after everything happened you know they were invited by Macron directly to go to the factory and so on and you know this bit they're doing some videos recently around that yes um yeah I see so it's it's again it's it's that again I'm not I'm, I'm not I'm not paraphrasing it this is just me <laughs> uh, but it's, again it's that idea of the vision of things and how that's matched up with reality and they've been able to again use this hyper local, this regional approach with everything that they've done, 
Um, and that's enabled them to end up with a shirt like this, which has obviously everyone in a lot of people are enamored with that shirt and rightly so. And they've been able to sort of come out with a quality of shirt that is equivalent to something much higher up in the pyramid by still sticking to that vision and that community sort of culture. That's really interesting. And it's good to see it get the recognition from Macron as well. That recent video and photo shoot was really great when they took you out out there to uh, to showcase the shirts there. That, that looked brilliant as well. You've got some more exciting shirt news coming though, haven't you? Because that was just the away shirt, but things are getting even more exciting now, are they? So there, there is a chance that we may end up after what I'm about to say here, some bits of this being embargoed, uh, but and maybe maybe edited out for because he is you know, Axel has been very kind to give uh, way too much information there, probably too much, but you'll be quite happy with this edge. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can take out anything. Actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so they, they, like they're very, very excited about the home shirts. Um, they have taken a little bit of a different approach to this. Is they've I mentioned we mentioned earlier about how the style of like that sort of printed sublimation kind of custom thing. So they're going with that for the home shirts in comparison to what they what they've just done. Um, but it is taking a lot of time. There's you know there's been a lot of adjustments. Um, they wanted to sort of kind of ensure that it. Obviously, because the, it's gone the other way round, hasn't it? It's a home, normally it's the home and then in a way, but I guess it's making sure that it's still they still complement like this new this home share complements the away, um, and that it, it it continues to sort of tell that story of who they are and go further with it. Um, for basically, it is currently you know with Macron in terms of it on its way. Um, you can't say too much about the shirt, really. He's given lots of other information instead. Um, but um, yeah, so the, the name of the shirt is Tous Uni, so everyone united or everyone together. Um, and basically, you know, according to so when it sort of comes out, he's he doesn't think that there is a shirt like it in football, really. You know, they've added some elements to the shirt that it's not typically not seen on football shirts. Um, so that he's definitely quite excited to see the reaction to what that is. Um, at the moment, when we say it's a limited edition shirt, we're talking 40, 40. Um, wow. Obviously, sales of the away and the the push that they might get as a result from the marketing that comes with this might change that. But it's at this level, it's just too difficult to sort of make a projection in terms of financially how that would all work or whether it's possible. But they are, again, we're, we're creeping into territory here where we might end up having to edit this out. But they are thinking of ways in which they can, again, maximize that very limited edition. So things such as, you know, like a special box for the shirts, like little socio sort of uh, sort of season ticket style things. Um, and then they're looking into sort of more content to come in afterwards, like the stuff that they've been doing. Again, going further with the ideas that are already there. Again, like how how do they continue to demonstrate the beauty of sort of amateur football and what that all represents? Um on top of that, they are in early sort of thoughts about a third shirt. 
However, they don't know when, maybe next year, kind of depends on a lot of things. And obviously, this home shirt is a lot more expensive than the one to make than the one that they've just done. So all of this kind of still leaves them in a little bit of maybe we'll see how it goes. Um, but one of the sort of key things that underpins all of this and one of the, the elements that they're going to be looking to further forward with this next round of things is, you know, a lot of money and a lot of time has been invested by people in the community or just, you know, in a lot of different places. And particularly lowly you want to find ways in order to, to give that back in various different ways. Uh, but one of the things that they're looking at is for this summer's. Um, so the way to kind of explain it is with how the sort of administrative bureaucratic system is in, in, in and I guess it's the same here, really, if you've got like a limited company and things, but you know, you will have like, it's an, it's an association. So it's, you know, it has that social elements and all those things. Um, and it's the same with things like charitable elements as well as it all falls under the same kind of, bureaucratic administrative thing um, but one of the things that they'd like to do this summer as a way to give back is working with SPA which um, I guess is the it's uh, so like an equivalent of sort of you know like Battersea Dogs Home that kind of thing so they want to try and see if find a way to sort of bring that in um, and to sort of give back in that way and again sort of reiterating keeping that social community elements involved in everything that they do you know we talked about they talked about the plans are going as high as possible whilst still maintaining that core elements because the reason it exists really is because of the community that's around it um so yeah i guess i guess the best way i can put it for <laughs> axel is that outside of like the new share which is already kind of on its way that I guess there are still there are a lot of ideas that are floating around and there's a lot of um that vision is starting to those ideas are starting to come from that but it's probably a little bit too early to say that these certain things are happening but rather that you know they are incredibly enthusiastic about the impact I guess that they can have with um with the club and how the, you know and its place within that sort of wider community there's a growing wider fan base looking looking in from the outside that um you know we're all excited to see what's coming next as well so we'll uh we'll stand back and wait go on give us a clue how much longer have we got to wait for this home shirt normalement ça sera normalement normalement end of february if all goes well end of february we'll uh we will see the the, at least the start of the release of the new the new home shirt. So not not too long to wait if we cross our fingers. <laughs> not 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 too long to wait, and and gives us a little bit longer to continue to appreciate that brilliant away shirt as well. Right. So. <laughs> so the, in the videos that they're doing at the moment with with Macron, so there's there's six videos in total, and they're currently I think on the second one at the moment. Um, as you know, as that go, they've done obviously like some shooting and things. Um, I think we're going to get a bit more, going to we're going to find out a bit more as that goes on, according to uh, with those videos and yeah, the story will evolve. The story yeah. will evolve, <laughs> and we'll watch the uh, we'll we'll be watching the club evolve from from here as well as fans. So um, Axel, really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk to us and and give us a bit more of a background on on a club that. Yeah, it really is exciting people out there and um 
yeah, been really great to chat. Mais ouais, merci, merci, uh, merci à vous. Merci yeah, th thank you very much for for taking the time, and yeah, it's just it's great to and th you know thanks for 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 having him on, and and yeah, just uh, to say like it's great that we're able to do these things across different countries, and it's just you know thanks very much. You know all the work that that you guys do on on your podcast, it's just it's and yeah, all all good vibes, all go all good vibes going through a. Uh, from there <laughs> we'll end it on the good vibes and we'll keep them coming thanks ever so much axel thank you, thank you. Thank you. bye bye salut les gars salut 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 <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, I did sort of think you get Tom, you you're onto something here. I did think I I could open this. I could do a Scott, and we could just leave this in my office, be you know, till the end of time. Or I could open it, and every single week we could see what's in the packet because there's some valuable stickers in this box. Apparently, well, maybe not in this box, but some valuable stickers there. Open it, fuck Scott. Open it. Don't <laughs> listen to his bullshit. Open it. <laughs> Life's for living. Open the box. So I've just had a look. Some of those stickers in that box, or potentially in that box, go for quite a lot of money, don't they? There's a Luis Suarez Ajax one. Ajax getting a lot of mentions this week. That goes for about 150 quid, apparently. But then you have some Zlatan Ibrahimovic ones, 10 times less expensive at £15. Coutinho at Inter Milan, also 15 quid. And then... I don't know if we should mention this one, but there is a sticker of a player, Brazilian lad, played for Man City, but here he's in an AC Milan shirt, and that is for sale at the moment for £1,000, but maybe there's a reason that one is still available to buy. Just pour me on, if you're paying £1,000 for that, you're a bad person and you need to have a word with yourself. Okay, so you're not wrong, Tom, and I think... We're looking at 15, 16 quid if we can get a Messi or Ronaldo. So there's money in this box, potentially. I could get my money back with a, with a couple of those stickers. You know, the seal is broken. You need the plastic going there. Well, I was say, whilst you're opening it, I'm gonna, I've just had a quick look to see what teams played in the 10-11 Champions League. And I, I'm hoping for something obscure like a CFR Cluj who played that year. Uh, or, they're, not, they're not obscure, but Auxerre, who finished bottom of their group that year. Um, yeah, there's there's some interesting teams that, that played, so I hope we get some interest. Ruben Kazan, but me, where did they go? I hope AD spent 30 quid on a box full of Cluj players. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Roma were in that season as well. So let's let's shall I go front to back or shall I go lucky, lucky dip? What shall I do? Lucky dip, lucky dip. Honestly, by the end of this, you're going to be knee deep in Cluj. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, <laughs> right? Here we go. Min 10 out of 10 grade, what do they call it? The Champions! <laughs> <laughs> just, we're going to have to put the video out of this because otherwise people, people this is just not going to be that entertaining for people listening. Oh, oh, oh. Is it shiny? It's not shiny. Is it? Oh, my God. I can't speak for Christian Panin, but we are knee-deep in clues straight away. Oh, excellent straight away. Look at that. No way. Just so much clues. Next up, this is, uh, Adam, you'll like this one. Oh, it's Dejan Lovren in his Leon days. Look at that. Hey, banging shirt that as well. Yeah, good shirt. Average shirt. defender. Yes. Up next, we're going, we're going Portuguese next. Don't remember this lad at all. Elderson Etichile? I don't know. Nope. I mean, no I've idea. heard of Braga that he plays for, but I've never heard of him. Okay, we've got Verde Bremen next. Philip Bargfredy. Do you remember him? Anyone? Solid DM, wasn't he? I'll take your word for that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. We need to share this video. That's amazing. <laughs> we are not fucking selling that. Oh, my God. <laughs> for, for audio purposes... 
the player that we were avoiding mentioning because he's a horrible <laughs> bastard, but is available for a thousand pounds. Adrian has just pulled out of the first packet we've opened with this box. So are we sat on a thousand pound card here? Pull, pull up for nine fifty. Undercut <laughs> the other one. Oh my gosh! I can't. I can't believe that that Tom refused to even say his name. <laughs> then I make a comment about getting clues, and we draw that out, and we think that's um, incredible enough. There it is. Oh my god. I mean, well, you can see why Paolo does this, can't you? That was quite exciting. That was. <laughs> it's the most excitement I've had for about three years. Well, it's probably the last time he got anybody excited as well, to be fair. He shouldn't be smiling like that. That's all I know. He won't be now. <laughs> well, there we go. Um, come back next week when we'll be speaking to uh, an excellent feature and we'll be unboxing more... Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, come back next week when we get Gilby Susan Goodson. That was a lot of fun this week. I think we've covered a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of stuff. Any highlights? All of it. It was all brilliant, wasn't it? <laughs> We're all completely fucking gobsmacked. We, we, we are absolutely gobsmacked at that. Brilliant. Okay, well, we'll do that again next week. But we have got some exciting features coming back um, next week. I can't remember what we've got coming next. But uh, episode 95 we're up to, gents. So episode 95, we're over 20,000 followers now on the socials. So if you haven't followed us yet please do and and mike you're putting out some other cool stuff on the socials for us aren't you yeah finally got round to starting to drop some stuff onto youtube it's not going to be free flow and it's not going to be every episode we're not going to start doing live stuff because we need to be able to edit out some of the atrocities that happened during our records um I'm going to try and go back through our back catalogue and just drop a few interviews in here and there, especially the ones with players, because obviously they're, for us, some of the big ones, and then maybe a couple of the ones with designers and so on, Um, and then try and do a bit more of that going forward. I think Adam has volunteered himself to possibly do a little bit more video content here and there, maybe on the TikTok uh, and stuff like that, whatever else the kids are doing. So, yeah, so keep keep an eye out for all of that. Um, Yeah, just get on YouTube, watch what we do, and... Keep listening to the pod. And a giveaway with 20, over 20,000 followers. Giveaway coming, Mike? Oh, shit. Yes, I did. <laughs> that's, that's exciting as well. So our wonderful sponsor, Tom, uh, a.k.a. Granny, has given us a, I think, quite special shirt, to be honest with you. Um, we'll put all the details on the socials, but it's not just any shirt. It is a match issue, possibly even match worn shirt from the early 2000s and it's a bit of a banger to be honest so yeah keep an eye on the socials because we're going to drop that very soon because yeah 20,000 followers 20,000 fucking people follow us on x how the fuck did that happen and just a heads up but everybody is going to have to um pay attention to the number 100 because there will be a 100 themed quiz on the centenary episode yeah. and breaking news we got a special guest for episode 100 and his I don't think we're going to make 100. I think that is genuinely all over after that. Live, <laughs> live from the only country he's allowed to be in. <laughs> yeah, fucking lucky we do it on Zoom, isn't it? You have an incoming call from Sao Paulo Pentatunary. Press one to accept the call. We've done a good job this week, so please do join us next week. Uh, today, I think it's all over. It is now.